to the NFL. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in yet to another fantastic joint episode of Rookie on the Rise. Ladies and gentlemen, if you were here and you kept it nasty last year, then damn it, you remember this fan episode. Me and my buddy Dallas, you can find them on Twitter at Salad Galore. That's S-A-L-L-A-D Galore. We're going to talk about most likely to for this class. And it was a lot more fun talking about last year's class and this year's class. But Dallas, how are you doing today, buddy? Pretty good. I'm excited. This is the sequel, you know. It's been about a year of us bouncing back and forth on each other's podcasts at this point. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's pretty nice. We have Craig to thank for obviously introducing us. But it's uh, been a Craig. very prosperous relationship since then. So it's always a fun time for me to hop on. I'm excited to talk rookies as always. And this is just kind of an interesting exercise to kind of do because there's some last year that we hit and others that we looked absolutely atrocious when we did it. So it's about how all of our content is. So it should be exciting this year too. Yeah. I'm exceptionally excited to discuss like three different players because that's really all there is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I would say as soon as you get outside of like the position specific ones and you start looking at like the sleepers offensive rookie special teams that type of thing that's where the conversation kind of picks up for us yeah it's gonna be tough it's gonna be tough and it's probably gonna be a lot shorter than most anticipated but god damn it well yeah okay so without further ado let's uh let's get sexy with it first and foremost but i got a question on the show i can't forget question of the show yeah. uh i usually do this one because People always say it makes them think. So, uh, Dallas, what is the one thing that is the most unique about yourself? Unique about myself? Um, I would oh. say the, the the fun party conversation that I can have with people that a lot of people cannot relate to is I actually worked as an apiarist for three years in college where I worked for an ecotox lab and I actually worked on bee health studies. So, uh, I've been stung probably more times by bees than anyone will in their average lifetime. Um, but yeah, that's about it. <laughs> You're muted, my guy. <laughs> that sounds awful. I'm just going to throw it out there. It doesn't sound fun. It does not, doesn't sound like something like, yeah, man, I'm a getting stung by bees all day type of dude. What's up? <laughs> but I mean, that's it, okay. Yeah, it, it wasn't terrible. That's the thing, though, is that I got to the point where I, like, I shit you not, basically, you could go up and just pick up an entire handful of bees and move them off of things. They wouldn't sting you. Um, you kind of learn the pattern. And that's why, like, I always laugh now whenever you see a bee at, like, a table. I always call them trash bees because they're just there, like, foraging, basically. They're drones. They don't even have stingers, but everyone always freaks out and swats them away. If there's a bee on your table, just leave it alone because it's not a female. So there's your, uh, you know, daily nugget from Dallas. Oh, that's, that's what I'm here for. Uh, but any, anything that looks like a hornet or a wasp, murder on site. Yeah, they don't serve Genocide any them. purpose at all to the ecosystem. They're just predators and assholes. So. Genocide them. <laughs> yeah. The only time you'll hear me say that phrase, but genocide them. Exactly. All right. So uh, we put out a tweet. I put out a tweet and you pushed it and gave a fantastic suggestion. And I thought it'd be fun to create some rules for the podcast. I tried it with Dario when I saw some guy ask podcasters and podcasties not to use the phrase upside. I think it's perfect for this episode. And honestly, all the continuing episodes, because most of the content is 
not new or exciting so it's fun to bring a little spice and sex into this thing so we're we got three rules we have for us today uh really like one fun rule one weird rule and one rule that's gonna be like kind of interesting so the first rule is every four minutes we're going to be taking a shot of liquor um well on that note it just turned four minutes so that's fantastic cheers i'm taking a shot of truly because i am hashtag lightweight um (laughs) And my brother-in-law just gave us a 14-pack of free pineapple Trulies. So, holla for them dollars. That'll do Next. it. I'm, I'm rocking a Scarlett O'Hara. I don't know if you know what that is or not. I mean, I know Scarlett Johansson. What's a Scarlett O'Hara? Scarlett O'Hara. I'm a brandy guy. It's one of my favorite liquors, if I'm going to drink it. Scarlett O'Hara, for those of you that are interested. Uh, two dashes of bitters, cranberry juice, a uh, shot and a half of brandy, and one lime wedge. It'll change your life. Trust me. I'm going to be honest, that sounds god-awful. But if Dallas suggests it, I will try it once. <laughs> I will try it once. Maybe. Uh, the next one says, we can't use the phrase, if he stays healthy, which is okay. That's not going to be too tough, given we're just talking strictly upside. And the last one is, is we have to talk about a player that every player that we hype up, we have to give a player that is going to lose opportunities based on this person's hype, which it should actually be pretty fun given our, our content. So uh, let's just run through the quarterbacks really quickly because there's not a lot to talk about this year because I don't know if anyone's actually going to start. So it really comes down to like injury opportunity and maybe like garbage time stuff. So Dallas, for you, who is your leader? Who's your most likely to lead this class in passing yards and passing touchdowns? Yeah, I have the same guy, and I think we kind of are on the same page here. It's Desmond Ritter. Um, I understand that Kenny Pickett had the early draft capital compared to Ritter, but when it comes to the person that is ever since Baker Mayfield basically went to Carolina, has the easiest pathway to get onto the field and sustain his time on the field as a rookie quarterback is Desmond Ritter. Um, both of these categories are passing you know, um, there's kind of counting stats at this point. And specifically when it comes to passing touchdowns, um, I would say Pickett is the only other guy in contention just because of the surrounding talent associated with the team right now. Um, but if Ritter gets in there, you have a bunch of skyscrapers on that team. Basically, there's a good sustainable weapon in Cordero Patterson that could be your move Z piece. And then you have hopefully a guy like Tyler Algier coming into the offense as well that can kind of boost things as well. Um, but we'll see it. Desmond Ritter was my QB two in this draft class. He stayed my QB two the entire time. And it's a guy that I'm just kind of still leaning into him. I think he is my most heavily. I think I have him on almost every roster um, this year that I've drafted thus far. I think there's only one league so far that I don't have Ritter just because he was going so late. And so when I'm looking at overall production, the guy I'm leaning into is Desmond Ritter for 2022. What about you? I'm going to switch it up because Ritter's the obvious choice because we're no, we know Mariota is not going to bring into the promised land like Trubisky may. We know that Ritter is going to get an opportunity, but I'm going to get sexy with it just for the sake of getting the edge on you here. And I'm going to go with Sam Howell. Ooh. And I hate this because I've yeah. been railing against Sam Howell and he has a 4% likelihood of starting more than four games in his career, let alone this rookie season. But this is really more of a bet against Carson Wentz. If he's as bad as the athletic is reporting, and you compile the fact that he is just an injury-prone quarterback, then Sam Howell seems likely to get one or two games and maybe a half game in there. And honestly, that's probably all you need to win this category for this year. So I'm comfortable making that decision, hoping that I can kind of 
gain a little bit of an edge on this little mini fun little competition here. So now we get into the fun part. Oh, um, the players that gets or the player that will lose opportunity because of Sam Howell is going to be Carson Wentz because he's a quarterback. And that's how this works. You only have one quarterback throwing. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's that's about it. It's the same thing with Mariota. On the note of Howell, though, I am very much ready for the hype train to start during this preseason period where he chucks two touchdowns in the same game to his boy, Deami Brown, the forgotten man in Washington, only for there to be a massive steamroll going on into that regular season. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. It's what happens to Carson Wentz every single time he starts on a new team. It's true. Also, don't forget to mention, actually, no, this is perfect. It's beautiful. Who do you got for, uh, who's going to lead the, this class in receptions at wide receiver? Yeah, so this one, again, um, these categories it's two guys based off of opportunity for me. Um, it's between Burks and London. For me, I have Burks leading in reception total. And that one is due solely due to the fact really that they don't have a true like tight end on this roster for the first time in a while. Um, there's not a true receiving back on the team still, even now. Um, all the, the, we're watching uh, part of this Tennessee-Baltimore preseason game, and it looks like everyone's catching screens with Malik Willis in the game. But with Tannehill at the helm, I want a guy who's going to see those big-time targets. Um, when I'm looking at this offense, it's extremely concentrated, and it has been concentrated typically between two wide receivers over the last couple of years, albeit those were studs at the wide receiver position. But you bring in a guy like Robert Woods in – the offseason to take over that true wide receiver one role. You bring in Traylon Brooks with the pick you traded away, or well, basically with the pick that you acquired by trading away AJ Brown, hopefully with his clone. I feel like when you're doing such a big blockbuster move with a tried and true franchise wide receiver like AJ Brown was, you're going to lean hard into that your first year with your player just to prove to your fan base that you're not a complete idiot. And so that's where I'm kind of leaning into this Burks hype more than anything. Um, for me, I want to see. I, I can see a very realistic path to where we have almost an identical season of what Devonta Smith did for the Eagles last year. Shot. With what the Burks did. Yes, shot. Sorry. This is the only time in podcast history where it's actually okay to interrupt the person speaking. <laughs> yeah, but that's please, true. please, please finish your uh, your your little your spiel there about Burks. Yeah. So I see a very similar pathway and a very similar offense to what we got from the Philadelphia Eagles last year with Devonta Smith. Devonta Smith didn't blow you out of the water with any of the categories: receptions, touchdowns, receiving yards, anything like that. But all you have to do basically, and it's been proven in the last five years, I looked into the data, in order for you to be a top 30 wide receiver as a rookie, you need to be in the top five in all receiving categories, basically. So targets, receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, and snap share. If you're in top five of the rookie class, at anywhere in that frame, basically, you're almost guaranteed locked to be a top 30 wide receiver in PPR formats. And so Burks, all he has to do is finish in those. And I think out of all of the wide receivers in the class, he's the one to do it. Yeah, I mean, yes. I'm hmm, apparently I'm just going to go fucking devil's <laughs> advocate here the entire time. Yeah. I am just going to ride with my guy, Wandale Robinson, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Speaking of receptions, it's, Burks makes the most sense just due to opportunity. But we've already heard two weeks into camp that Wandale Robinson is the starter at slot and if dable brings that 10 personnel over or even 11 personnel then mondale robinson is going to be getting a high a lot of a lot of routes ran which ideally is going to lead to targets 
which will hopefully lead to receptions. So my path for Wandale Robinson is the fact that he's already established himself as a wide receiver that is going to be getting playing time week one. So I think that ideally he's going to kind of get a leg up on Burke simply because he's going to be running out of the slot, hopefully working on those close short yardage situations. If Daniel Jones ends up being the starter, hopefully they have a connection. I mean, they're already going to have a more connection than anyone else just because he's been the only wide receiver healthy this (laughs) entire season. Uh, Wandale Robinson succeeding means that Galladay and Colin Johnson and Darius Slayton are the names that are going to be fading away. I don't know how to feel about Tony being a wide receiver 40. It seems dumb to fade him. So Tony's going to do his thing. This mm-hmm. is just reception. So it's not, it's not like he, Tony's going to be getting the death knell or anything like that. Not. <laughs> who's your, uh, who's your person that's going to limit opportunity? Uh, if, if Burks leads in receptions uh, for me, it's the tight end position. Uh, specifically Austin Hooper and Christian Okwankwo. Uh, When I'm looking, I'm actually really optimistic to see Okwankwo kind of take over what we were getting from a guy like Jonathan Smith before he got shipped off to New England. But I think Burks leading in receptions out of the rookie class basically means that you're seeing a very concentrated pass game. You're seeing what we've been used to underneath an Arthur Smith true offense, even though he's no longer in Tennessee. And it kind of is a status quo with the top two wide receiver options, the top running back and Tannehill being extremely efficient. Also, we have to take a shot. Oh my God. All right. So for receiving yards, I think my leader for receiving yards is going to be God, I don't like anyone in this freaking class receiving yards, to be honest. Just oh god awful. I kind of wanna. You know what? I'm just gonna stay fucking contrarian. I'm going Jalen Tolbert. Oof. I just I here's my thing. I like Burks. Burks is the obvious selection, mm-hmm. as is Drake London. Like these guys make sense. But my thing with Burks is that not only is he running with the twos and threes, not only is he kind of being constantly dinged for a bunch of things in training camp eventually it's not the jamar chase situation eventually it's just the fact like this guy's not playing the level that they want him to play at and i i don't think Vrabel is going to shove him in day one just because they traded aj brown for him mm. he's they're going to shove him in just because they have no one else to fucking run routes for them it'll be kyle phillips robert woods and and Traylon burke so i just i think for me jalen tolbert's been getting a lot of really positive camp noise we know that he's going to be playing either x or y since CD is going to be in the, in the slot. So I think Tolbert has a pretty decent chance at at least contesting for this, this, uh, this award. And, you know, it, we know Dallas is going to be running Tony Pollard out of the slot quite a bit, but if Tolbert leads this rookie class and wide receivers, that means that Michael Gallup takes a lot, lot longer to come back to full health and anticipate. And he's the one that's really going to suffer the most him and, uh, and Schultz may suffer a little bit as well. Who do you got for the leading the receiving yards? Yeah, for me, it's London. Uh, Just to talk about Tolbert a little bit in that capacity, I think receiving yards is the only category where he could truly hit that, and that's just due to the true pass volume that you're going to see with the Dallas offense. I wouldn't feel comfortable putting him for receptions or touchdowns in that offense, Mm -hmm. but I think yardage is pretty safe. Um, If he basically just fills into the Michael Gallup role, Michael Gallup has put 
pushing a thousand yards on his resume quite a few times in his career, even with how injured he's been, just because they're always looking for a deep threat. And Tolbert is underrated at the ability to play multiple positions at the wide receiver position. So I'm kind of leaning into that one. I do like that pick, but for me, it's London. Um, this is just due to the fact another concentrated passing offense, um, the player it hurts the most is Cordero Patterson. I know that they're going to be leaning into him more probably in a slot wide receiver role, but he's not going to be playing almost at all on the outside now. Kyle Pitts will finally get a depth of target that's a little bit deeper down the field as opposed to his seven or eight yard average of whatever it was last year. So um, lean into that quite a bit as well. But London's kind of the tried and true answer for these ones. I went kind of shocked because I was a little bit... Uh, a little chachi last year with some of my picks. So I'm trying to just with the uh, safe betting ones on the wide receivers and quarterbacks on this thing. Yeah. You know, it's probably better to, uh, to go chalk in these situations, but this class is so, but it's really difficult to just guess. So Dallas, who do you got for leading the class in wide receiver touchdowns? Touchdowns, it's Burks again, and this again is due to the concentrated passing volume. I know I'm repeating myself quite a bit for this wide receiver category, but when it comes to this, I mean, touchdowns are going to come to the big targets. If there's one thing that the true X receiver in this Tennessee offense has done over the last couple of years, it scores touchdowns, even if the yardage isn't incredibly high. That's the reason I didn't put Burks for all three of these categories. I think that you're not going to see a receiving yardage total eclipsing a thousand yards, but 800 with eight touchdowns sounds very doable on 65 to 70 receptions. So a guy like Burks, I'm leaning into that again for the touchdown. What about you? Yeah, I'm going Burks here. There's no one, there's no one, there's no contrarian play here. Really isn't. Chris Olave is just not going to have it. (laughs) Sky Moore won't. Pickens maybe if you want to like rest on the Chase Claypool corollary, but Claypool led the league in or the class in touchdowns because he had four in a game. I think three of which were basically runs behind mm-hmm. like linemen. So it was just, it, it really comes down to Burks or London. And I just, I like Tannehill more than Burks shot time shot, which kind of wraps up our wide receiver class. Uh, if you can't tell this class is top heavy as is our guesstimations for what's going to happen this year, because unfortunately we don't have five or six wide receivers that are really hot and loaded in fantastic situations so moving over to the running back class which is going to be just as probably boring and absurd um do you have Brees leading all three of these categories touches rushing yards and touchdowns or is there any variation for you I actually have Walker leading two of the categories and I had this prior to the injury news that we just got that mm-hmm. Rashad Penny is dealing with a groin injury yet again. And, uh, oh, so tell us about that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to lean into the injury cause I'm not actually allowed to lean into the, if he stays healthy side of this, but when it comes to Walker, I have him leading in touches and rushing yards. Actually. I think that there is going to be a legitimate split in the New York jets backfield. And I understand that, We all can assume that the talent and the cream will rise to the top with Brees Hall. And I understand that he's very good. I understand that he's electric and he will get his due, but you're still looking at an offense coming from a Shanahan tree. And it doesn't matter what city it's in. It's been proven time and time again, that they use multi-back committees in Shanahan offenses. It's been like that for over a decade, all the way back to Shanahan's dad. And so it's one of those things where we always try and find that true workhorse. But when you look at the end of the day, there's always a guy that gets about 65% of the touches for about 13 games and then usually gets injured. And I'm not going to lean into the injury thing, like I said, but if you're just getting 65% of the touches, you're not looking at what a Walker could do. Because when you're looking at Pete Carroll, as you know better than most, 
he leans into one running back and he will run him into the ground until he breaks every part of his body, ignoring the people like DJ Dallas who can actually catch the ball and look explosive with the ball in their hands and just keep on moseying down the road. So when it looks at RB touches and rushing yards, I'm leaning into the Walker. And then I have Hall leading in RB touchdowns. Yeah, I the touchdowns is one I always, I always tank. So mm-hmm. for me, I'm going to go with touches. I'm going to go with Damian Pierce because mm-hmm. apparently he no longer is going to be a t- a vying for the starting job late in the season. He's vying for the starting job right fucking now. And so I think it's just as likely that they just say, who gives a shit, Max? Sorry, buddy, but like we're going to let Damian Pierce run this out for us, see what mm-hmm. we got, see if we need to actually invest. Who's a rare fourth round or day three hit running back. And I think he's more likely than not to kind of be in fierce competition with Hall and with Walker. And like you said, Hall is going to be splitting majority of the cuts probably into midseason. If he breaks weight, it'll be more likely than not after week eight, week 10 in that area. Walker, Pete Carroll said he can has a three down set. Pete Carroll says a lot of things that aren't also true. So I don't believe a word that that man says. Um, and so I just, I think that Damian Pierce is the next man up in that specific. The only other hot name to mention would be TDP. Um, just because we know how fragile the 49er running back system is for the running backs. When it comes to yards, I think it's it's got to be Brees Hall for me just because I think he's the best prospect out of them. He's going to get ample opportunity despite splitting touches. Um, and then for touchdowns, I yeah, I, I want to say Tyler Algiers so badly. Just so <laughs> badly. Or Isaiah Spiller, but like Tyler Algier all of a sudden is an eighth round running back. Like, okay, so that's weird because all the camp hype is saying he's real good. Um, so you know what? Well, what the fuck? Why not? Let's get sexy. Uh, I'll do Tyler Algier as the touchdown man because he's basically the biggest running back with the best build for short line situations. And albeit Atlanta won't be in a lot of opportunities for that, but when they are, he will most certainly be having his number called and Hopefully he'll convert them. Uh, and that's going to hurt Cordell Patterson, which is going to be a ghost of his former self last year, fantasy-wise. Uh, Brees Hall doing well means Michael Carter doesn't do great. Yeah, that's true. I think that hits all of our rules, right? It does, except for one shot. <laughs> oh, shit. Shots! <sighs> okay. So now we're going to get on a bit more generalized themes. Offensive Rookie of the Year. Who do you got? Yeah, it's exciting because, I mean, outside of last year, last year was the first year in, I don't know, the better part of about five or six years where it wasn't a quarterback. I think that trend continues this year. Um, I do think it's going to be another wide receiver. And again, I'm just leaning heavily. If you guys haven't been able to pick up on it thus far, um, I'm pretty confident in the floor of a guy like Traylon Burks this year. And that's where I'm going with my offensive rookie of the year pick. Um, it, it's just such a condensed offense. And that's the thing is like all he has to do is stay healthy basically in order for him to get the target volume that is going to be required in this offense. And I am very optimistic with what he can do with it. He's been an extremely efficient player. He's not a guy that saw massive volume in college either, regardless of his breakout year last year, he's just been a steady efficient producer at the collegiate level. He's a big boy. He's fast enough. Weight adjusted speed's great. I love Burks this year. What about you? So I was talking on a podcast yet to be released on a podcasting channel yet to be fully established. Um, (laughs) And we were talking about it. And predominantly the positions that win offensive rookie of the year are quarterbacks, 
for running backs. Well, we know no quarterback's going to have this history mm-hmm. to win this award. So what does that lead? That leaves running backs. And while you have a very good point with Burks and why there's no contestion here, you're probably not you're not wrong and like the opportunity holds. I just am willing to bet that Brees Hall has a good enough year and is special enough to distance himself from Michael Carter to where Robert Salaz recognizes the need to give Brees Hall more of a 66% workload rather than a 55. And I think that's enough if Brees is the athlete I I want him to be to separate himself from the pack enough because I don't think anyone in this class is going to blow anyone away. We're not going to have Jamar Chase. We're not going to have Jonathan Taylor. None of that shit. So I think that given the low bar, I think Brees is a pretty easy shoe in, in my opinion, to win this offensive rookie of the year. Uh, again, if Brees is selected, then that means the entire Jets offense is not because he's going to be ran <laughs> down our motherfucking Yeah, th- That's my question. Cause this is a, this is a fun, like if this happens, then type of situation. So if you're looking at offensive rookie of the year, do you, I'm going to give you two situations that are right down the middle, I think for the opportunity for both of these players. So if Burks comes in and puts up 70 receptions mm-hmm. for let's call it 880 yards and eight touchdowns and the Tennessee Titans make the playoffs. He has a bunch of big splashy plays like AJ Brown had mm-hmm. or Brees Hall puts up 1200 all purpose yards, but the jets win four games. Who wins offensive rookie of the game? You said Burks has eight touchdowns. Yeah, like eight, how, eight, eight or nine touchdowns. How many touchdowns does Brees get in this scenario? Uh, let's call it nine. I think Brees gets it with that one. Yeah, I think I think that's enough from a running back position to overshine Burks. Even though seven for eight, 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 and eight or nine is very impressive as a rookie. Um, I just I don't know, and making the playoffs helps as well. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of Burke's work is going to come through Yak. And sometimes Yak isn't super sexy unless you're like hurtling guys and like making Madden-esque moves. Mm-hmm. Whereas like 1,200 from a running back sexy pretty much no matter what. Um, and I think that that's going to kind of sway it just enough. It'll be that would that scenario is a scenario I'm on board for because that would be very fun. I'm yeah. exceptionally excited. Sort of like this next one here, the back half sleeper. Now, I think we both have the same person. My question is, is when did you choose him? Uh, it was when I sent you the link to this, so about two weeks My ago. My man. All right, so <laughs> we're in lockstep. So yeah. uh, why don't you go ahead and give your reasoning why this man is the best back half sleeper, and let me play devil's advocate for what's not going to happen right. Also, shots. Yeah, shots. <laughs> yeah, so this was before all the hype started really about this guy, and it was just based off of – again, opportunity in the offense and just kind of the age of the group and what, what I was hearing from OTAs. And that's Isaiah Pacheco is who I had as my back half sleeper. And now apparently he's getting run with the ones, which makes this seem very chalky. Um, but I can assure you that it was not chalky. Um, he is a guy that passes the eye test when you're watching him but he never really got the workload and never really got the true kind of efficiency and just a really bad offense and so 
for those of you that are listening that have listened to my content before, I hate projections. I hate projecting players to outperform what I've seen them do. And Pacheco is a player that I'm kind of leaning into a little bit more on the projection side than anything, but it's based off of the offense that he's in. It's based off of the role that although we are just screaming for Clyde Edwards Hilaire to get from what he got in college, the chiefs are never going to give anyone. And Pacheco has not even arguably the most burst on the team out of any of the running backs. So when you're looking at a guy who is decent in pass protection, who's wowing Patrick Mahomes in this offseason period, and who was basically free on the waiver wires in almost every rookie draft, that's what I classify as a back half sleeper. So I'm leaning into the Pacheco. Another guy that I am quite interested in that I have in a lot of places is Kyle Phillips out of Tennessee. Again, now there's a lot of talk about him coming in and being with the first as the true slot. Like I said, condensed passing offense, so I don't think that's going to be super sexy. But if there is something that happens later on in the season, like they need someone to step in and actually be the wide receiver that they were hoping to draft, Kyle Phillips kind of screams that. He's very toolsy, and in the play-action offense that Tennessee runs, he's the perfect fit as the slot. So I don't have a devil's advocate for Kyle Phillips because I ride the fuck with that. Um, The only issue for Pacheco, and it's really not an issue because what we're doing is just strictly projecting, like you said, is his path at point in time isn't through Ronald Jones or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It's through Jarek McKinnon, who four years ago would have been a really good player to be behind because he had a really extensive history issue. But the last couple of years, he's been having a he's been able to stay healthy with a much more reduced workload. The trade finder by by, uh, Roto Underworld and Player Profiler has his likelihood of missing two or more games as very unlikely. They gave him a fragility rating of like 3.6, which is very low. Uh, So it's a tough shot up. But what Pacheco's got in his favor is just the fact that the dude's already penciled in, pretty much sharpied in as the special team's returner. Like that is exceptionally important. That's why Elijah Mitchell got his shot in the first place. That's why, as you guys know, special teams is exceptionally important for guys that are day three picks because it gets them on the 53-man roster. Just because I don't want to pick who you pick <laughs> because it's not fun. I'm going to say, hmm, fuck, you took two really good guys. This sucks. <laughs> um. I'm just going to go and pick a random player, any, meeny, miny, mo, Jerome Ford. There it is. That's a guy I like. That's a guy I'm ready to ride for. Walk down memory lane with, or a, a fictional lane with me. Deshaun Watson gets 17 games suspended, full year. Uh, he plays the first three because they are in arbitration. They settle because the courts say what the NFL did isn't legal and didn't follow the CBA. Six, 17 is reduced to 12. So he misses essentially all of the regular season. The Browns do poorly with Jimmy G or Jacoby Brissett, as is. They realize Kareem Hunt, who wants a trade, who came back not under extension or trade, is just as unhappy. And they say, well, if we're not in playoff contention, why are we not capitalizing? Shot. Why are we not capitalizing on this value that's sinking on our team? They move Kareem Hunt. The next man up in the depth chart is Ernest Johnson. I like Jerome Ford more more than Ernest Johnson as a prospect. What Johnson's done on the field is exceptionally noteworthy, but I think that Ford has the ability to overtake him. I was very high on Ford prior to the NFL draft because his prospect profile was very enticing and exciting. So I think Jerome Ford is a 
dark horse back half sleeper in this class. But to be completely honest with you, Dallas, every single running back in this class, not named Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker, has a very high likelihood of being replaced in the 2023 draft because those running backs are no fucking joke. But that's not fun to say because that's just boring and disappointing. And speaking of disappointing, this is my <laughs> favorite. This is my favorite category. I yeah. call it the wet blanket category. Mm-hmm. So who's your biggest disappointment for the class? If you choose who I'm choosing, I will riot. Uh, it's Garrett Wilson. And it's riot time! Yeah, oh! it, it's, it's a guy that, again, I mean, you know better than almost anyone based off of how much I've talked about Olave and how much I watch Ohio State. I have been a firm, staunch believer that Olave is going to be a better player at the NFL level than what Garrett Wilson is. And you know the exact moment where I was like, yes, this is confirmation bias for me right now. When I saw that Garrett Wilson was playing special team snaps, for the Jets in OTAs last week. And I was like, you don't do that with a top 15 wide receiver that you're anticipating being your star going forward. His ass is on the bench watching special teamers play. And so I was just sitting there. You've heard nothing but the Elijah Moore hype all season. I am still staunchly in the group that Zach Wilson cannot support two wide receivers on top of any type of passing game to a tight end that everyone's hoping for or the running backs that are there. The offensive line's in shambles right now. Garrett Wilson projects as a further dot target hog as compared to an Elijah Moore. So I'm just sitting here and I'm like, cool, this is a guy I wasn't super high on before the season. This is a guy that's kind of having no camp buzz whatsoever. I can't find a highlight. If you if you search Garrett Wilson on Twitter, you should be able to find a very nice highlight because you can find him for just, you know, third stringers at this point. You can't find one. So that's who I'm leaning into. He's my uh, disappointment for the season. Let's hope it ends better than last year's for me. <laughs> okay, so I can't choose that, even though you're right. And mm-hmm. I'm going to acknowledge that you're right because you're right. The disappointment for this year, I would have said Christian Watson, but he already has an easy out with his knee injury. So mm-hmm. that's just too easy you people were overdrafting christian watson from the get-go this is your pendant this is your um what's that called when you say your sins or the fuck it is in religion and they're like oh you're good now your pendant confession Confe- yeah, <laughs> yeah this is your your um repentance or something yeah, yeah. like i don't fucking know this is what you get for drafting christian watson watching him fun flounder before he sets foot on an nfl field mm-hmm. in a live game so I'm going to pick David Bell. I love David Bell. I think David Bell is going to succeed in his NFL career, not this year. And it's not tied to the fact that Deshaun Watson may or may not be quarterback. It's tied to the fact that he's already missing significant time in training camp. And that is very important for any rookie what rookie player, especially a wide receiver. You hear me say it a lot. You'll hear me say it more. If a rookie misses time, even if it's two weeks in training camp, their season projection is going to be lowered simply because they need every opportunity they can get their hands on to fully envelop and get and become one with this system. Mm-hmm. If a bill is not having that opportunity, I think he's a fantastic buy low. I also think that people are going to be very frustrated with him given his projection shots. Oh shit. I don't have a shot already. <laughs> It's all right. I'll talk in the uh, the open space. For me, the other guy that I was kind of curious about is a guy that you actually leaned into for RB touches. There's a strong chance. I understand there's a lot of hype train going with Damian Pierce. There's a very strong chance that this Houston offense is just dog crap this year. 
and you are looking at a running back getting the majority of the touches on a team that cannot run the ball, which is basically what happened to every lead running back that they attempted to try last year on the Houston Texans. The offensive line hasn't improved anything. Same quarterback, same weapons exactly because John Mechie's unfortunate cancer bout. So you're just looking at this offense. It could be still abysmal really this year, although there were spurts. And when I'm looking at this offense in Houston, it's a pass first offense. It just has been so on the opposite side of the spectrum from a guy who's being drafted in a very similar range in Tyler Algier, I'd lean more heavy into the guy that is going to have the running touches on a week to week basis, as opposed to in there projecting as a pass blocker for Davis mills more often than not. Um, But that's just another guy that is on the different spectrum, but where are you at with special teams? This is always a fun one kind of to talk about. Um, it's a usually a player that ends up being a cornerback that no one's ever heard of from a mm-hmm. deep school, but um, I'm pretty firmly on my guy. Who do you have? I mean, your guy's the obvious answer here. The only other one you can say is Pacheco, but mm-hmm. I don't think I think Pacheco's going to have opportunity, and that's going to take a take away from the opposite. Why don't you go and give your spiel? I'm right there with you on this guy too. Who you got for special teams? Yeah, so this is kind of a homer pick, um, but at the same time, it's Valus Jones Jr. And you can say what you want to, laugh about his age, laugh about his profile, et cetera, like that. If you look at just his special teams work when he was at Tennessee and when he was at USC, he is one of the most prolific collegiate returners ever. And it's in every athletic metric, every return metric, every yards per return, touchdown specifically. Um, Bayless Jones is a monster. He was averaging basically what Cordero Patterson has been averaging in the NFL. That's what he averaged in college. So all he has to do is basically do 80% of that. And he probably walks away with this award without even a question. Um, he's still not the wide receiver two on the team for the bears. No one really knows who it is. Apparently it's Equinemius St. Brown right now. You're, you're freaking telling me, man, but, uh, Bayless Jones is pretty much the tried and true locked in kick returner and punt returner right now. There's some trust in Ebner hype as well going on. Who could be a fun name to kind of throw out there for the bears. But when it comes to just returnability, no one's really coming to the league in the last couple of years on the level that Bayless Jones is. So, yeah, I mean, there's just the only other guy you could maybe do is Danny Gray out of, um, out of San Francisco. He's the only yeah. one that's like moderately close. Let's get into our second year sleepers and overhyped players. These are guys that are rookies this year that are going to either be a sleeper next year or going to be overhyped going into next year. So who is your sleeper and who's your overhyped guy? Yeah. Um, so this is a category that we kind of both hit on last year. Um, we haven't talked a, a bit really about some of the ones that we actually did hit on last year, but the sleeper and the overhyped, I feel like going into this year is pretty accurate. So just for reference, the sleeper that I had last year was Friar Muth. Absolutely blew up. Not really a sleeper to anyone who plays Dynasty, but for the average fan, He's still not inside the top really eight or nine tight ends that are getting drafted right now. So still a guy that could easily fall into that category. Mitchell Trubisky has always loved his tight ends. Kenny Pickett's going to love his tight ends. He's a guy that for his acquisition cost could easily be in that five to seven range as opposed to that nine to 12 range, which is the difference of about 25 to 30 points at the end of the season, which doesn't sound sexy, but it's about two points a game. So it makes a difference. Um, When I go to the overhyped player, I am, Dipping back into the New York Giants well, unfortunately for you. But last year I said the guy that was going to be overhyped at this time was Kadarius Tony. What do you know? Based off of production of what he did last year, overhyped going ahead of what you should anticipate. A Daniel Jones-led offense. 
to actually have what's going to happen. The exact same thing with Wondell Robinson this year, but I think he's actually going to produce. He's going to stay healthy. I said the one trigger word here at the end of the thing, but the issue, the reason I think he's going to be overhyped is that they're going to have a different quarterback next year in New York, and it's going to send his value along with everyone else to the moon. Shots also. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I understand. Yep. Overhyped isn't necessarily a bad thing. I just want to nope. tell myself, okay? It's not a bad thing, damn it. Okay, so I think the overhyped player for next year is going to be James Cook. Mm-hmm. He's going to get some Boku work out of the backfield. It, it's going to happen. You have to accept it. That is the literally only thing he excelled at at college. He was honestly probably one of the best in the class at that. He's going to get slot work. He's going to get a lot of out wide work. He's probably going to take enough work away to where Gabriel Davis and Jameson Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie don't reach the ceiling one down the reach just because James Cook is going to be so implemented. People are going to go fucking bananas calling him Alvin Kamara. I'm already seeing it happening. Imagine when he actually follows throughs on that. And yeah, you would think, well, Britt, if he's following through on being Alvin Kamara, then why won't he be Alvin Kamara? Because he's not that good of a runner. That's just how it is. Yep. People are going to get way over their over their skis. They're going to see that Devin Singletary gets re-signed. Zach Moss, they bring in some other dude in the 2023, and it kind of takes away from that sale, the, the air out of his sails in 2021 three in the 2023 season because he's not really going to get that rushing work so like he's Mm -hmm. a great ppr guy he's basically a sexy naeem hines kenny gainwell yep do with that as you wish that's what it's going to happen next year my sleeper i already talked about it's going to be david bell i just think that he's going to have an underwhelming year this year and he's going to really capitalize on that moving into the season i had a three-step tweet about a week and a half ago about how to acquire david bell later in the season the too long didn't read summary is you talk to the manager right now and see how he's feeling about david bell if he's still valuing them, you say, great. Okay, thanks for letting me know. In about four weeks, week four, week five in the NFL season, say, hey, where do you have David Bell? I'm just curious, kind of testing the waters. You see what he says. See if the value's changed at all. I don't know. If he's like, I don't know, he's fine. I, I'm, I'm okay moving him now instead of next the first time you're asking, oh, I'm keeping him no matter what. Then you wait until it's trade deadline time, the week before the deadline. You mm-hmm. say, hey, I would like to get David Bell. You look, you're, you're almost a contender. Even if he's not a contender, all you need to be is like two games out. And everyone's like, I'm going to make the playoffs and win the championship. You go sell him an old ass scrub, Jarvis Landry, whatever, add on a third or a fourth, be two thirds and get sexy with it. You get David Bell for essentially a Girl Scout box cookies worth of value. And then you ride into 2023 season, really excited with the shit person of Deshaun Watson throwing crazy Boku balls to David Bell. That is the path to David Bell, in my personal opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a perfect foil to what we dealt with last year with Rashad Bateman. It is the exact mm-hmm. same situation that Rashad Bateman went to. He was injured all offseason, went into camp as a mystery, probably won't be healthy, will be hit and miss throughout the first half of the season, only to then start to pick up steam at the end of the season, as long as everyone stays healthy. So, Well, Dallas, I appreciate you having me on your podcast while also me having you on my podcast. You're like the guest host. I'm like a host guest. It's like an inception. It's like a guestception, hostception, however you want to call it, whatever sounds sexy or makes it work. So, my man, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me on. Where can the good people find you if they're listening to my stuff and not your stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of plugged at the beginning, you can find me on Twitter at Salad Galore. That is my name backwards with the double L Galore. And you can find my content at the DWZ Network, specifically on the Rookie Rundown series. Um, Currently, I am pumping out a series that I started last year called the Oklahoma Drill. 
Um, it focuses on prospect analysis and comparison of guys that fit the same molds as opposed to comparing a guy like Rondell Moore last year to a guy like Jamar Chase, knowing for a fact they're not going to play the same role in the NFL. Um, I am pretty much all the way caught up through that series. It's already pre-recorded, so you guys will uh, just have to tune in every week to catch up the matchups and find my hot takey um, instances on some bases, why I like some big boys as opposed to some other big boys. If you're not following Dallas or the Dynasty Warzone, you're probably doing things wrong. Please correct that mistake in your life. It will treat you better in the future. Uh, big thanks to Dallas. I really appreciate the relationship we've grown in this rookie space it's convoluted and weird but also extremely <laughs> friendly and i really appreciate that about you my man um i made a link tree for myself so you can go on my face my instagram nope none of those two you can go on my twitter <laughs> twitter the ff sandman <laughs> hi shots how are you yeah. uh, and you can click on it and it'll give you all my stuff i am the host of rookie on the rise which is a favorite rookie podcast hopefully i am a contributor to the Debbie to Dynasty podcast channel. My show, Predictive Measures of Success, talks about analytics in the Debbie space. I write for Fantasy Pros for the Debbie section. I write for Breakout Finder with Debbie stuff, and I write for Yards Per. I'm also going to be having a betting podcast coming out weekly in the future here. We just nailed our logo, so we're going to be pumping that out relatively shortly. So please go ahead, listen to all those good stuff. Throw me a follow if you want. I don't really care. Just want to help you. So if you want to talk <laughs> shit or like just ask questions, I'm here for it. You don't have to follow me. I don't give a shit. Um, thank you for having me. Thank you for being with me. Your time is important and valuable. It means a lot that you spend it with us. You matter. Your family matters. Your friends matter. Please make sure that you let your loved ones know that they matter to you because life is short and cruel and a fickle little bitch. And sometimes <laughs> it doesn't give you the proper opportunity to say what you really want to say. So... What's the non-gender way of saying not the fuck up? Um, gather the courage. Ignore the stupid little family drama you got on and let them know that you love them and you're still family and that's what matters at the end of the day. Do something great for yourself because you're important, so fucking act like it. And that's my spiel. Have a beautiful day, everybody. That's the podcast. Peace. Peace. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.